Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Well, I want to welcome all of you to the final week of this series of messages where we've been talking about storms. And this may be your first opportunity to engage with the series, and you can catch up with the last couple of weeks online. I want to welcome those watching there in McKinney, and they're streaming with us live. Maybe you're watching online at summertime and you're out of town. I also want to welcome those at our 12.30 service who are making space and making room uh, for people. And so would you guys put your hands together and welcome all those that are joining us. Maybe watching this message later on, but this series, we've been looking at storms and we're going to look a little bit more in detail at storms and practically how storms work. But really the thesis is, and the real basic understanding is this metaphor that's in the Bible. And the reason it's in the Bible is it is a metaphor and a picture of how unexpected things come into our lives. And so there are these unexpected, mysterious, unexplainable things that we need to be equipped to be able to handle in our lives. And so uh, we're so excited about all that's happening this weekend uh, with water baptisms. I did want to show you one story from our Saturday night service here at the Keller campus as well. So many powerful stories. Every time someone is water baptized, we hear their story. I don't know about you, but I'm impacted by the, the ability of God to reach people in all different places. But I wanted to tell you about Zach. Uh, I wanna say thank you to Zach for his service to our country three tours in Iraq, a tour in Afghanistan. He had a desire to be in special forces, but he had an injury that inhibited him from that. A little bit lost, uh, not only spiritually lost, but a little bit lost in life. And I wanna say thank you to all of you. We've been in this building here at the Keller campus for about a year and uh, we were behind Taco Casa in a grocery store uh, there in Keller. And I began to say to you, if we'll make some space, Every time we open up a seat, then we give the opportunity for someone to have a, a life that is transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. It's not about buildings or lights or even messages. Uh, it's really about people. And I want to say thank you to all of you that invested uh, to help us be able to open up space because as we were building this building, the sign went up on the side of the building and Zach and his wife lived just across 377. They saw that sign and as they were lost, they came here and he gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ and was water baptized in our Saturday service. So thank you for just practical things like giving of your resources and not only resources, but also welcoming uh, Zach into our family. And so we're seeing so many lives being transformed. I'm going to ask you if you have your Bibles to turn with me, though. We're going to look at a unique storm. And I want you to look at the book of Acts, Acts chapter 27. We're going to start in verse 24. And it's a real unique storm because all the other storms we've looked at are storms where Jesus shows up in the middle of it in a pretty timely fashion. Uh, we see a story last week of Jesus in a sermon where he's basically given us the principle of how storms work. But a lot of times, the messages we hear about storms are more around these that the disciples had, and they end up in trouble, and they need to learn faith, and Jesus shows up, and he fixes the problem. 
This last week, I'd like to talk to us about how to handle, how to deal with a storm that maybe lasts a little longer than we expected. Well, what about when the storm goes longer and it's not just a quick moment or a quick fix? I've been showing you just storms, and we've been thinking about storms and different kinds of storms. We learned that a storm is when the wind gets up over 55 miles an hour, and there can be all kinds of different storms, and we've learned in this series that there's some factors that we can use today with technology to predict or to pattern storms, but there's this mysterious side to them. But in thinking about a storm that lasts a little longer, I thought about this. I, I did a little research. What about a rainstorm that lasts a long time? I don't know what you would think would be the state that would have the longest rainstorm. Maybe you might think the Northwest somewhere, but actually Hawaii, I found, had a rainstorm that actually, it lasted for 331 days. That's a long rainstorm. I'm gonna tell you, Hawaii doesn't market itself as a place where it rains for 331 days, and yet you think about that, wow, that's a long rainstorm. What about a hurricane? And I found that, in fact, this John hurricane, it lasted 31 days in 1994, a hurricane that, by God's grace, never made landfall, or it would have had a lot of destruction, but it lasted 31 days. And so, as we start thinking about storms, and we think about not only a storm and how it pops up and can show up and bring violence in our lives, what about a storm that lasts more days than we expect? What about a storm? How do we deal with that? I'd like us to look here before we go to Acts though, because we're gonna look at the Apostle Paul, I'd like us to look at 2 Corinthians for a second to set up because later on, Paul describes this moment we're going to read about in Acts 27. He's actually just talking about his life. He's writing a letter to this church, and he, he just calmly kind of just states three times in 2 Corinthians 11:25, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was pelted with stones, three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. Paul is just like other. It's just like, wow. You know, he's like superhero. He's like The Incredibles 2. Y'all know what I'm saying? Anybody seen The Incredibles 2? I have children from 18, 17. I have a seven-year-old. So as soon as it came out, we're at the movie theater with now the reclining seats. Come on, somebody with the movie theater power. And uh, so we're there. And after the roll-in there where they explained to us why it took 15 years for them to get us another one of these Incredibles movies, uh, we're getting ready for the big moment. It comes on the screen. And my Lainey Kate, she says to me, Dad, we got a problem. I'm like, what's the problem? We got our food. We got the movie. We're reclined. It's all good. And uh, she doesn't have her ears pierced but her little friend got her some clip-on earrings and she was wearing them for me and she had a choker. She said, how you like my choker? So we're on a date and she's got her earrings and she lost one. She said, dad, this is a problem. 
And so in the middle of the moment where we're finally getting the Incredibles after 15 years now, I'm under the reclining seat with the iPhone light. Come on, this is, I'm down there. Did you know there's all kinds of wild stuff underneath those seats? I mean, you would, there's, there's enough popcorn under there, you would never have to buy popcorn again. There's fascinating stuff growing under there. And I started searching, I found the little earring, came out, come on. After the movie, I said, what'd you think about those superheroes? She said, Daddy, you're my superhero because you found my earring. Come on. What the Incredibles don't have anything on me. You know, when you read about Paul, you just think other. You just, you just whatever kind of superhuman you can think of, you just think, wow, I mean, all these times, you know, shipwrecked and beaten, and then we look over at this this, this passage of scripture that we're about to read and then you start thinking about your own storms. And I know you have a lot of them. I know you've been connecting to this series. I, I've been talking to some of you in the commons. I've been hearing from our team and I have received several of your prayer requests that we pray over this time of year. And I know you have those unexpected storms in your marriage, in your family. You have this storm that comes up with a child. You've had these unexpected financial storms. And the reason a message like this and a metaphor like this in the Bible is so real is because it's our real lives. It's really where we live. We have a health storm, we have a relational storm, we have a challenge that comes our way. Sometimes the greatest storm, did you know the greatest storm you face is not your own personal storm. Sometimes you wish it could be your storm because one of the most painful storms is when you're walking through someone else's storm with them that you love deeply. And so you're walking that out, you hear Paul say, well, let me tell you about my life. My life was a storm. And you're like, okay, well, how do I relate to that? I found something in this passage, I've never preached this before, really not ever really seen some of the details. I remember the story, but I see something that is a principle that I'd like to expand for you so that we can move Paul from incredible status move Paul a little bit from superhuman status, and maybe we can grab a hold of something that he understood as he lived a life filled with storms. His life was a storm. Before we get to this passage in Acts 27, he's been in jail since Acts 21. He's been put in jail, and he's been even declared that he was not even guilty of any of the charges. So he's an innocent man who's lived two years in jail. And then all of a sudden, because he's a Roman citizen, then this king says, you know what? And then he starts, Paul starts planning, I'm going to go get this appeal to Caesar to be able to deal with this status that I have of being charged. And so in the little section of scripture there, we're going to look at verse 24, but it really starts there around verse 13. I don't know if in your Bible, sometimes it'll just give a little subtitle of what you're about to read. In my Bible, it says the storm, the storm, and it starts off, and it's not a storm, he's headed to this place to get this appeal, uh, he's headed to Rome to get an appeal from Caesar, and so it starts off, and it says, we had a nice, gentle breeze, and so he's just sailing along, isn't that amazing, in life, when you're just sailing on that nice, gentle breeze, but then it says, hurricane force winds start coming. Then it says there's violent winds that start coming. 
It gets so dangerous in this situation, they start throwing cargo overboard. They start throwing the tackle overboard. They're in difficult situation here in trials, but in the middle of as he's walking toward this situation in, in practical life, if you will, sailing toward it, the angel of the Lord, God himself, speaks something to him, and Paul is conveying what this angel says in verse 24, and he said, do not be afraid, Paul. That is such a common theme in the Bible when you're facing storms, trials, difficulties, things you don't understand, transition, God's like, look, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So God says the common phrase that God always says when we're in difficult situations, do not be afraid, Paul. He says, you must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up, Paul says this, so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. So Paul says, I have this trust I have this out-of-the-box understanding of God that says that God will cause it to happen just as he told me. And then I love the honesty of the Bible and the honesty of Paul. Paul says, nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. (laughs) It's like, God's going to do it, but it's going to get bumpy. God's going to take care of it, but we're going to have to go on this island for a little bit. And this is what's interesting and what I want us to really think through a little bit about storms. The last couple of weeks, we've learned some principles. We've understood it at a deeper level. Look at this. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. Some storms, Jesus walks out to you in the night and they are calmed immediately. Some storms God takes care of quickly. Some storms happen supernaturally in a fast and efficient fast pa- fashion. But sometimes a storm lingers. Sometimes a storm, look at this, can you imagine 14 nights we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea when about midnight the sailors sensed they were approaching land. Some storms last a little bit longer So if some storms are lasting a little bit longer, what do you do when the storm doesn't stop? What do you do when you don't see land in sight and it's not one day, but it's two days, it's three days, it's four days, and 14 days, if you could imagine, a long period of time, what do you actually do? Everyone, here's the idea that I want us to unpack for a little bit. Everyone ends up different on the other side of the storm. Everyone ends up different on a storm that lingers, they end up different on the other side. But the question is, who are you becoming in the storm? What's God trying to press out of you and press into you when you face a challenging storm in your life, and especially one that lingers for a little while? Now, I've never been in a boat on the Adriatic Sea in Paul's time period, even worse, to be in his time period with the lack of things we have today like navigation systems. I've never been there, and it's a ma- if we could really put ourselves there, that's a real scary thing. 14 days, food problems, throwing stuff overboard. I've never been really in a boat that I thought would capsize or out in the ocean where something I've never been. But I have been in a flat-bottom boat in East Texas one time. I grew up in Northeast Texas, and we have these boats called flat-bottom boats. You might didn't have a motor on it. My dad had it out behind the shed. One Sunday after church, 
we'd sit in church as young boys and think about what we're going to do after church, where we're going to go fishing, what we're going to do. And so me and my buddy said, well, after church, we're going to go get my dad's boat and we're going to get one of our buddies to park a car at one of the bridges on one highway and then we're going to go to this other bridge in the river, if you will. It's really a large creek that's the upper end tributaries of Lake Caddo that's the only non man-made lake in the state of Texas, if you know about it. And so we were going to put in this boat at this bridge, and then we're going to float, logical, float to the other bridge and pull the boat out. And we just have us a grand old time, and we're just going to float down this river, this large creek. And so we take my dad's boat, we go down there, we put it in. And man, when we started, it was a nice breeze. It was phenomenal. We didn't have enough water. We didn't have any food. We didn't have any planning as 14-year-old boys might do. And so we got in there. This is exciting. We're going to float down. Little did we realize, though, how much out of the banks the river was. So we didn't stay on the right path to get to the other bridge. We ended up off out here in all this backwater and flooded water and tributaries going off of the main course there. And so we ended up and it gets later and later and it starts to get dark and we don't have any water and now we're getting scared. Now it's late. Now it's nine o'clock at night. We don't even know where we're going. We don't have any flashlights. And so we end up miles and miles and miles away from where we should be and pull the boat up on the bank and then we just have to start walking for miles. Now my mom is scared to death. She knew we had the boat, she knew we went down somewhere but she doesn't know where we're at. And she's thinking, oh my gosh, she's ready to get a helicopter to come find us. We drug the boat up, we walked out, we found somebody, started hitchhiking and this guy brought us back to the house. My mom goes, oh my gosh, I was so scared. I was going to get a helicopter. I was telling your dad, we need to call an emergency. Somebody to go get my boy. They're lost. They're down there somewhere. My dad said, where's my boat? <laughs> your mama wants to save you from the storm. Your dad says, did you learn anything? And both are part of God's nature. He sees us in the storm. He cares about what's going on with us. He's concerned about our safety. He enters into it. He brings us to the other side. But there's a dimension of God we don't talk about a lot, and that is, where's my boat? What are you going to become on the other side? What am I trying to do in you? So I'd like us to talk about what do I do when the storm doesn't stop. What about when it lingers a little bit? Well, every week we've kind of gotten a little deeper understanding of storms and the nature of God, and I'd like to give you another one this week. Recognize some storms last longer than others, but all storms impact who we are and who we're becoming once they're over. They all impact who we're becoming. One thing we've learned in this is we get to the other side, and I'm going to tell you, after years of working with people, and I don't claim to be a natural meteorologist and to understand everything about storms, and even meteorologists themselves have some difficulty predicting storms, we've learned there's a mysterious side to it, but I'm going to tell you, I'm like a spiritual meteorologist, and I've seen patterns, and I've, I've walked with people, I've seen patterns in what happens in circumstances. And can I tell you something behind the scenes as a pastor, one of the things I'm still amazed by is I can see one person go through a little flare up or a little instability in their life and they become more hardened 
They become more distant from God. They become more entitled and more angry. And I can see certain people who go through some of the most challenging, long-lasting storms, and they become more merciful, more soft, more in tune with God. We learned that the first week. The enemy's desire and strategy in a storm is to change your perspective of the nature and character of God. He wants to turn your heart away from. He wants to use that storm to reflect on God that he's not a good God. And so one thing we need to think about, especially if you're in one of those storms that's lasting a little longer, is to really think about this. I, I, I may go to heaven. If you go to heaven, guess what? Here's some good news. There's no storms in heaven. There's no sin in heaven. So if we go to heaven, there's no storms. But if you don't go to heaven, you're going to get to the other side of the storm. You're going to make it to the other side, but the question is, is how much smoke, how much how much hardness, who are you really going to become on the other side? So you're like, Jeff, I don't want to become someone more distant from God, more hard. I want to be more in a different place with God, so how do I do that? Well, I'd like to talk to you about an element of faith. Every one of these stories bring us back to this word faith. This is really what Paul was describing there. He's saying, take courage. The only reason Paul can say take courage is he knew how to be encouraged. He knew how to fill himself with courage by the word of God and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So because he knew how to do that, he could say to the men in that boat, take courage, God's going to do it. It's gonna get rocky, but God's gonna do it because he understood the principles of faith and every time Jesus has a storm moment with the disciples, he keeps talking to them about this concept of faith. So I'd like us to talk about this. You know how to endure by faith through the storm. I put that word endure. You, you understand this enduring principle of faith. Now, I need to describe to some of you some, some understanding about faith. There's, there's simple saving faith like we've seen demonstrated this weekend by people getting baptized. And God supernaturally drops in our heart the revelation of who he is. By his grace, we are distant from God. We are separated from God. And his goodness comes to us in such a way that we realize I've made mistakes, I'm a sinner, I'm guilty. The reason I feel guilty is because I am guilty. And he drops in us this understanding that is such good news. It's such a profound thing. It's why all of us get emotional when we see someone who's an agnostic or someone who's distant from God because you're like, wow, that's miraculous. Because what happens is, by his grace, he shows us, you can't earn your way into a relationship with me, and we have this simple childlike faith to put our whole trust in him. Jesus, I'm thankful that you finished it, and that's saving faith, and it's a powerful thing. Did you know the Bible says there's a gift of faith? There's these supernatural gifts that come by way of the Holy Spirit that come for the common good. The Bible says of them in 1 Corinthians, they are manifestations of God where he can grant you the supernatural gift of faith where you trust God despite all the winds and the waves and it can bring about a supernatural miracle in a storm. Bam, he can change the circumstance like Jesus walking on the water. But the Bible also speaks about an enduring faith an ability to also walk day by day through a storm that lasts a little longer with the same supernatural principles. I love this in the book of James, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Everybody say endurance. 
endurance. This is not one of our natural things in our culture to produce in us in the spiritual realm. This enduring faith, this not going to quit kind of faith, this day by day faith, not this momentary faith. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. When you do an endurance race, one of the surprising things to me as I started doing some of these races is I thought we would just start trying to get, get out there and practice and run as far as we possibly can. And then when you kind of get past that, then the next day try to run farther. Actually, if you do an endurance race, it's not just about the long run, which you might do once a week. It's really about your pushing of yourself in the shorter runs. Getting trained for a long race like a half marathon or a marathon or a triathlon, it's really bigger the step-by-step, simple, small runs that you do over and over that build up this base. And actually, you're living during the race on your nutrients that you're building along the way, not just what you ate if you eat pasta the night before. It's the nutrients day by day. So I want to talk to you about that because I believe it's something that in our culture today, when I talk about you being equipped, as I prayed for you about this series, I believe it's a dimension of faith that we need a greater impartation of. So how does faith produce endurance? Number one, you understand there's a spiritual battle. Now, am I saying the devil causes every storm? No. But I do understand that it's not about the winds and the waves and the storm. If you study it in the Bible, there's this understanding that there's something spiritual going on. There's something about, again, what God's putting in me, what my understanding of my ability, faith is cooperating with him. And so I'm understanding him at a different level. There's sometimes there are attacks of the enemy. And the Bible talks about we fight not against flesh and blood, Remember what we've learned in this series. Our go-to is figure out the storm. Try to avoid the storm. Try to understand the storm. At the gym I work out in, there's a lady who just said, I've been listening to these storm messages. I came in, she says, I was just listening to you. I'm like, I'm trying to work out. I'm off duty right now, okay? (laughs) I was just listening to these storm messages. I said, well, this week we're going to talk about what do you do when the storm doesn't stop. She said, I want to know why it doesn't stop. I said, don't we all? But if we knew why, would that change anything? Remember what we're learning in this, not that it's wrong to ask the questions, that's just not the main goal that God has for us, is to figure it out, to pattern it, what's going on, what if, how, no, 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 no. It's to understand there's something spiritual he's trying to do, and most of the time the spiritual battle is right here. When you study strongholds and spiritual warfare in the New Testament, it's about what's going on right in here, the stronghold of our thinking and how we're operating from a spiritual dimension. The second thing is remember, faith doesn't have to figure it out. Faith doesn't have to figure it out. Faith doesn't look at all the signs that are around. Faith stays true and focused on the Word of God and God's nature and God's character. I have some friends who are airplane pilots, and a pilot, no pilot likes going through a storm. Even the very skilled pilot doesn't want to go through a storm. But a pilot fa- focuses on a storm different than the people riding in the airplane. The people in the airplane are preparing for what might happen. 
The people in the airplane are feeling the turbulence and dealing with their emotions. They're looking out the window. What about the storm? The pilot is focused on and has to not get too trusting of the pilot's intuition, especially over water or ocean. Some of the tragic accidents happen when they trust their intuition more than their instrumentation. So trusting and looking at and analyzing the wind and the waves can cause you to not get to the other side of the storm in the fashion God has designed for you. You have to hold on to the purposes and the principles and the power of God. Here's the next one. Hold on to the promise he gave you before the storm. You hold on to the promise before the storm. You don't get too caught up in what's going on right now with that child, with that situation, with that circumstance. Focusing not on the wind and the waves, but focusing on the promise. This book, I don't know, I I don't know if you know this, I think some of you may know it, but even those of you that do know it, it's amazing how we we don't hold on to it. But I'm going to tell you, this book is filled with promises from God. It's filled with, the Bible says, it will not of itself, it will not return void. And so you can learn how to grab a hold of a promise that is stable in the middle of a storm. I love this. I'm talking about endurance. I'm talking about what do you do on day seven, day eight, day 10. Oh man, I started off good. And God, where's God? I tried it for a day. What about day seven, day 10, day 12? What do you do? You gotta keep holding on to those promises. I love this verse. For you have need of endurance. You know what God's saying to you today? You have need of endurance. When I say endurance, some of you are like, are you talking about like grit? Are you talking about like willpower? Are you talking about like self kind of just, you know, I find this a lot in our culture. I find it in myself. We, we can rely on strength of personality. You know what happens in a storm that lingers? You run out of that. You run out of strength of personality. Oh, the quick one, you're kind of like, man, wow, boom, I got that. I'm a man of faith and power. Let one last a few days. You have need of endurance. You have need of something that you have to go to day by day, hour by hour sometimes, middle of the day. You have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised in our instant control-oriented world today. How many of y'all remember layaway? Come on now, older people. Used to, you had to save up for something. Layaway was powerful because at least you could put your hands on it. You put a little down payment put it over there and you think, man, I got it in layaway. I'm going to get that. I don't even know if they have layaway now. We want it now. I want Amazon Prime. We're so controlling, we track the package. I want to know where it is right now. Where is it? What street is it on? Sometimes in this walk with God, in this journey with God, you can't track the package and its timing. You just have to hold on to the promise that he said it was coming. You just have to hold on to it like Paul said, I know this, God told me we're making it to the other side. We're making it. Here's the final one in this area of endurance. Worship him while you're in the storm. You ever been around someone who knows how to worship? You ever, you ever just saw, seen someone, they just know how to go to God. They, they're inspiring about how they go to God. Many times it's because they've been through a lot of storms. 
Most of the time, people who have trouble worshiping are generally more self-sufficient and self-reliant people. People that have been through brokenness and challenge and had to go to God in the storm, and when nobody was there, they learned how to worship God. They only found encouragement there because they couldn't find it in any medical report. They couldn't find it in any situation. Most of the time, they've been through a lingering storm, one that lasted a while, one they didn't know if they would get to the other side, and they built a depth with God and a worship with God. By the way, never be critical of people that worship in an extravagant way. They may have been through some storms. They may have been through some storms and they learned how just in the middle of the day to sing some kind of worship song to God because it's the only thing that could soothe their soul. Sometimes in the storm, the best thing, I know it doesn't sound real practical, the best thing you can do is worship him in it. Just worship him in it. Just begin. Because I want you to know this, in the storm he'll show you dimensions of who he is that you'll never see anywhere else. In the storm, you'll learn things about, you're building that history with Jesus and you'll, you'll, you'll learn things about him that you wouldn't find or know any other way. When you look back on the storms and challenges of the Bible, I, I see people who God brought through a journey where they built this enduring faith, but it didn't a lot of times make sense. See, if, if Moses would have had this big Red Sea challenge figured out, he would have brought a boat but God didn't want him to figure it out because he was gonna part the Red Sea. Noah was building a boat for a big rainstorm and it hadn't rained. All of these things in our lives, and that's the challenge with God is this dimension that's outside of our ability to Google it, outside of our ability to understand it, but he wants us to worship him in it so when we get to the other side, there's things we understand about who he is that we couldn't get if we hadn't gone through the storm. What have we learned in this series? It's so important for, for me, because I was praying for you, it's so important that you take this away and you own it. There's an enduring faith that you have. You come into service, you come to church, maybe you come to the McKinney campus, or you come here, or you're watching online, and, and, and I don't know if you're watching online, you could feel the, the atmosphere that's actually here today as a result of people getting baptized or seeing an adopted girl see the acceptance of God, or you see an agnostic get baptized. You, you feel God. You feel God. We, we, we want God to show up here more than the message or the music. We want you to sense God and feel God. Because I know this, you need God to walk through your everyday life. We want you to experience him. But you know what? Once a week or twice a month can't carry you through the storms of life. You you have to know how to go to those promises. You have to own that enduring faith. And here's what we've learned. Number one, Jesus sees us through the storm. This too shall pass. I want some of you to receive that afresh and anew. What we've learned in the Bible, whether it's Noah, Moses, Jesus, the disciples, the Acts story we're reading about Paul, this too shall pass. He sees us to the other side of the storm, and he cares about what we're going through in the storm, and he knows the storm is challenging, and he knows the storm presses on us, and he sees us through the storm. But here's something else. We gain some helpful principles in the storm. Now, I don't worship principles. I worship a person. But the person, Jesus Christ, through the word of God, gives you some practical principles that can help you so that you're not just lost in the middle of the storm, being tossed about by the wind and the waves. You can build your house on a rock, a rock that doesn't move. Jesus is not moving. 
We have a tendency to move. But Jesus' personhood and Jesus' principles don't move. And so in this series, here's what we've learned. There's some ways we can cooperate with what he's trying to do in our lives through these storms. And the final thing that I want us to emphasize right here at the end of this idea of an enduring storm, when we get to the other side of it, is when you get to the other side of your storm, you'll have something to offer someone else. The first week we looked at a storm where the disciples They are going to this other side and they're struggling, but there's on the other side, there's a demoniac that Jesus wants to heal. Paul, God had a plan for by him going to Rome. Peter, after being in these storms, the Bible says of him, he could strengthen his brothers. Paul is strengthening this church there as we read about him talking to them about his life and his life in a storm. Why? He had something to offer because he had built a history with God and an understanding of God in storms that gave him the ability to give it to someone else. I just want to encourage some of you with this. We don't always understand everything about the storm. There will be dimensions of your storm you'll never understand, but there's one thing we can be guaranteed of. There's a depth of understanding of who God is that you can give away after you've been through a few things. You ever been around someone who's never been through anything? It's amazing. You're like, you're so disconnected from reality. The greatest thing about getting a little bit older is you've been through some things. Come on. I look back on 23-year-old Jeff and think, man, you could have been so much more compassionate, so much more sensitive to other people. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Have grace for your young people. They just hadn't been through enough storms yet. You go through some stuff with God, let me tell you what, you have compassion for other people and what they're facing. You have a heart, you have a way to offer something deeper and it's not just some quick fix, some quip or quote or principle that you can impart from your life. So I wanna encourage you, there, there is purpose in your pain. That doesn't make it less painful, but there's purpose because you're gonna be able to offer something to someone else on the other side of that pain that you'll be able to give away. And like I said, sometimes the most violent storms are not your own storms but they're the storms of other people that you want to see them get to the other side of. Wouldn't you love to be able to fix everybody's storm? You can. They got to walk out their own storms. But we've learned some things about God in this series, and I want it to become an impartation for you. I I want you to have that, that weapon in your arsenal of enduring faith. Not just simple, quick, but an enduring faith that God is talking about here, when endurance works its perfect result through this testing, you're not lacking in anything. There's a completion to your faith that God brings. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads with me. Some of you here say, Pastor Jeff, when you talked about that simple faith to receive Christ, I, I maybe you're, you're watching online or watching in McKinney, but you say, I'm that person. I've never realized it's that simple that he comes by his grace and we just surrender it. And so you're just willing to say right there between you and Jesus, Jesus, I know I've made mistakes. I've missed the mark, but I want to receive you into my life. I believe you died for me, rose from the dead. Come into my life and change me. You pray that in Jesus' name. It's not about your words totally. It's about your heart. And if you're willing to surrender to him, he comes in 
and he'll change you from the inside out. If you prayed that, I'm gonna ask you to come to Discovery 101 to our growth track or come forward at the end of the service. Met a guy at our 5.30 service Saturday night who told me in the comments, I came forward, I talked to someone, I've been coming for five weeks, I gave my heart and life to Jesus. Maybe that's you, wherever you're at, tell someone because you can now start your journey with him. But second of all, Lord, I pray for some people. How many of you might say, just about honestly say, Jeff, I've been in a storm that just seems like it won't go away. It's just lasting a little longer. Would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? It just, it's just kind of lingering. And I try to have the encouragement, hands up all around this room, or maybe you're watching me online. I pray right now for people with their hands lifted. Jesus, I pray for not just a momentary emotion, but an enduring faith to worship you in the storm, to hold on to your word day by day, to put some promises around their life, to learn how to operate in this spiritual battle that's going on. And Lord, I pray you would sustain them. You would encourage them so that as they get to the other side of it, who they're becoming is more of a reflection of you, Jesus. I thank you for the work you're doing in them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 